Good evening, and we are live. Welcome to another edition of the Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by the Saxonian family. You can see her right there. We are joined by our special guest, and kudos to her for, for joining us and keeping her word. You see on the screen right there who that is, Lauren Sampson. Lauren, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay. And for those who are new to the show, I forgot, I'm being bad. I'm Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Bar Review. My co-host, one of my co-hosts, Andy Yanez of the Community Newspaper, and Paul Samajama, Apollo Houston, every other thing under the sun that young fella does. But uh, first segment of the show, we're, we're going to talk with Lauren about her role at the University of Houston in the men's basketball department. And for people tuning in on YouTube, Facebook, whatever, if breaking news happens, <laughs> we will get to it, just not in this segment with Lauren. And hopefully you know why we're talking, what we're talking about and why we can't do that. If you don't, we'll explain it to you in the next segment. Be patient with us on that. All right. Wednesday, November 3rd was the tip-off dinner for Houston Cougars men's basketball. And Lauren was a part of that. And based on Coach Sampson's comments today, it sounded like she had a big role in the tip-off dinner. So let's hear from what Coach Sampson said at the beginning of today's press conference and then we'll bring, come back and talk to Lauren for more information. This is, you know, it's, I think the tip-off dinner reflects the growth of the program in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I've got such a great staff. All those guys are all first-team all-conference guys. Uh, the job that Lauren does with her staff, the volunteers to go over and beyond. Um, you know, it's great for our kids to see it, too. You know, there were nice suits and ties and everybody sees them uh, and it's about them. You know, you never lose sight of this entire experience that we have is about these, uh, about these kids and their growth. And when they see an event that's so first class and done in such a um, classy manner, it, it, makes, it makes them feel good about being here and being part of this program. Lauren, what are your thoughts on what you just heard? Um, he's always so nice. I mean, most people don't think of him that way, but it, it's a labor of love. I grew up going to the tip-off dinner. It's a tradition that we brought from Washington State to Oklahoma, um, stop in the Midwest, and then here. So it's, it's an event that I grew up attending, and now it's fun to plan. But was it here when Coach Santa took over the first year, or when did it, yeah. when did it resume? Okay. So we so, brought it year one. The first year it was on the floor of Hoffines, and Coach Lewis actually was allowed to be. He was there. Oh, great. So there, uh, there's a picture in my office of Coach Guy V. Lewis and my dad at that first uh, tip-off dinner. How much planning do you put into it? It kind of consumes me a little bit, as much as I'll let it consume me. Um, I usually start in the spring as far as, you know, sitting down. We figure out what player um, we're going to honor. And, and organizing that and making sure that they're available. We get the, and then as soon as we get that um, non-conference schedule done, that's when we pick our date and then we're off to the races. And if anyone's tuning in, yes, it has happened. We know about it. Yeah. We will discuss it later on. Lauren can't comment on that. Okay. We know what happened. Trust us <laughs> on that. Andy and I do know what happened. Honestly, we expected it. And we're told about it a few days ago, so it's, it's official now. So relax on that. We'll get to that 
in a few minutes. So calm down, Coog Nation. Lauren, what is your role? Define it. Because I think a few times Coach Sampson has said you pretty much created it <laughs> when you first got here. I did. My background is marketing, and I was an associate AD at the College of Charleston and, and, and a lot of event planning. But um, anything you've, that you see of our program, um, I usually have a little bit of a, of a say in. And I, I would say I, I, I'm the one who branded our program and this kind of new Houston basketball and what we've become. And de describe that. I mean, your background, how did you get into it? Why? Did, do you like doing this? I mean, <laughs> just start from that point. Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I went to OU, um, you know, and while I was a student at OU, I was there with Hollis and Qantas. I used to get them into fraternity parties. Um, oh. And uh, <laughs> my background is I interned with Sports Illustrated while I was in school. And not on the editorial side, but on the advertising side. And they would fly us around the country and we would meet with advertisers. And, and it would be, you know, myself from the University of Oklahoma, but students from Connecticut, North Carolina, Wisconsin, UCLA, UNC. And we talked a lot about the DNA of a campus and how at every single campus, every um, student body is a bit different than the last. And so what would work on one campus isn't going to work on the next. And so that experience, more so than a lot of my other ones, has served me well at UH because it's such a unique campus. It's a unique student situation. And we had to really learn about it. I would sit, you know, on campus, I would sit in the hallways, I would sit outside lecture halls, I'd sit in lecture halls and just kind of understand what kind of student body was made up because it was so different than, than when I was in school. Um, I was, I planned events for Oklahoma City All Sports Association um, where I planned events for, you know, 2,000 people. Um, I planned events for 50,000 people. Um, I worked with uh, ESPN and the Big 12 and NCAA and, and would plan golf tournaments and events and made for TV games with Michigan State and Gonzaga, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Um, and then I was the director of marketing assistant AD at the College of Charleston. And so I had 21 Division One sports to myself. And then I had a staff. And did you have any questions for Lauren while I bring in Willie Gibson? Yeah, I would say uh, focusing on Kelvin Sampson, is there a difference between Kelvin Sampson, the coach, and Kelvin Sampson, the father? No. No, yeah, I get through it. <laughs> He's a coach all the time. Himself. No. You know, very much so. He was the fun dad. You know, mm -hmm. he when I was young and we were going and, and my, he would be the carpool taking us all to dance class and he would have he would be the DJ. Um, really? Yes. <laughs> he, you know, if someone's, you know, boyfriend broke up with them, he would be, you know, our getaway car if we TP'd somebody. He was the fun dad. <laughs> my friend. Really? So, and, you know, you always know there's a difference for the simple fact former players come back. <laughs> but um i see that now all you need to know about him as a dad to kellen and i is to watch him with Maisie and kylan it's the same it, it's it's great I, I have to ask coach sampson about being the the dj <laughs> or something like that that, that um, he did my friends he would you know they'd all come to practice and they would all be on the court after practice you know, when the music would go and my friends, we would just kind of be dancing. It was just, you know, it was a normal, weird uh, childhood. <laughs> a question for you, Willie Gibson. Thank you for joining us, brother. 
You have any questions for Lauren real quick before I, I ask one? Andy, what, that was my question, the difference between Coach Sampson and, and Dad Sampson. That was, that was it. Lauren, without stepping on too many toes, how would you describe the challenge when you got to U of H in your, in your job? I'll just put it simple like that. I'm not great at not stepping on toes. Um, oh, great. Well, you're right in here. <laughs> then, then go ahead. For better or worse. No, you know, I, I didn't come the first year. I, I came the second year. But I, so I was still in North Carolina. And so I'd fly in for games. And we would, I would sit the games and, and, you know, there'd be 50 of us enjoying a Division One basketball game. That was concerning. Um, but there were so many good bones. You know, I sat there and I watched the Spirit of Houston. I watched that band. I was watching the Cougar Dolls and the cheerleaders and the mascots. And I, I thought, God, if we, if, if we can get some buy-in, um, this can be special. Um, there's a, some great traditions. Who's house? Cook's house. And, and, and there's some fun stuff. The womp womp, the train. There's so many great things. And so I got recruited that second year. And I, I came in and, 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 and my brother and my dad looked and said, you're going to recruit fan base. And it started little by little. My first day I met with the band director and I asked, what do you need from us? You know, I love college basketball. And I think a big mistake a lot of people do is they try to bring in NBA elements, professional sports elements into a college basketball game. I don't think it works. I don't think it works anywhere. I think that if you're in a college campus, especially in a city with professional sports, I think you lean into what makes you unique. Our whole goal is that when you come to a Houston Cougar game, you know you're at a college game. If you want to go to an NBA game, go to the Rockets. They do a great job. But we're going to do the best college basketball game in the state of Texas. And that has been one of my, I think, passion projects is just allowing the tradition that the school has. Let it kind of play itself out and celebrate it as much as we can. Um, I love seeing alumni come back and looking and they have their kids in, in the Houston Cougar cheerleading costumes, uniforms, and, and they're teaching the kids womp womp and they're showing their kids how to do the go coup. That's college athletics. And, and so that was one of the, many, the major obstacles at first because everyone kind of tries to chase that pro game style and, and we just were running the other way. What do you have in store for this season? More of the same. Tradition. Do you have, I mean, the first, we've got a game this Saturday for the men against Montana Tech, the school that hired Coach Kelvin Sampson, his first job as a head coach. Yes. I, I don't want to age you. Were you around then? I was born there. Oh, so it has a special place to you too then. I am. They, they refer to people born in Butte, Montana, as Butte rats. So our whole yeah. life, no matter at least a couple times a season, we'll be on the road and someone will be like, I heard you were a butte rat. And it turns to be somebody that was kind of in that era with us. So Kellen was born there as well. This is, this is really cool. And Coach Sampson also mentioned today that um, next season non-conference will be a game against uh, North Carolina Pembroke yep. where he went to school. So he, he, he wants to give back. That's one of the things I respect about Coach Sampson is he really wants to give back to people and institutions that helped him become who he is. And I think that's you as well. I think you're part of that. You learned that from your parents as well. We do. We're loyal. We're loyal to a fault. I think you've been in this business for as long as we have. We 
we're, we're particular. I think we all are to a certain degree. Um, you know, the one thing growing up um, as a coach's kid, but also traveling, um, I traveled uh, most of my um, childhood was going into venues and seeing what works and what doesn't. And so we've, we've taken a lot of that with us. Let's, I want to ask you about one of the unsung people in the Samson family and household. That's your mom. Yes. When did she, when did the um, baked cookies tradition start? Here. Oh, really? Here. So, and it's so funny because all the Oklahoma players, Washington State, they're, what, where was the cookies? Um, coming over to the house before film started at Washington State. My dad was our bedtime um, storyteller. And so he wanted to keep that tradition alive. So he just brought the team over to the house. But the cookies, it was that first year. And those kids on that first team, I think, will always have a special place in our heart. Laurent Barnes, um, Devontae Pollard, Burt. Um, but it was a, that was a tough year. And, and she's so funny and we're also superstitious. She started with cupcakes. So she would make cupcakes and we lost. So no more. <laughs> um, and, and she gave brownies a go. We lost. So no more brownies. And then she did uh, chocolate chip cookies. And we beat UConn. So chocolate chip cookies it was. And I think that was um, one of UConn's really good teams. Yeah, that was the year after they won the national championship. And I, and I think Coach Sampson has mentioned that win as one of the additional building blocks like this is going to work. This can work here. And so that was significant. So it was because of the chocolate chip cookies, Will. That's, yep, that's really what it was. The whole thing is built on those chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> what Describe, are you behind the, um, the For the City, that, that stuff as well? Yeah. So it was kind of in the era of H-Town Takeover with Coach Herman. And I was um, on his marketing team that um, 2015 year, that Peach Bowl year. And H-Town Takeover was, um, it took over. I mean, it really did. And it was so smart and and, and succinct and it said what it was, right? Like yes. there wasn't a lot of like, what does it mean? It, it was what it was. And so I think all the school, all the programs tiptoed around it a little bit and, and kind of was going to see if they could use it. And, and we did. And I was like, it's just not us. And so it was after that season and um, Galen Robinson was um, writing for the city on all the white um, dry erase boards all around the building. And so I just, I just went to him and I said, talk to me about for the city. And he said, you know, I'm a Houston kid. We're going to do this for the city. Um, done. And so it was, it was that conversation. And I called Jeff Conrad, our, our wonderful SID. And I said, on everything we post, we're putting for the city. And it's, it's blown up since then. It's caught on. People have tried to steal it. Many. It's on Jordan gear. I mean, come on. That's pretty impressive. So, and it's because of you and, and your great work. How, Just, what is your, your schedule like? You know, do you, do you, how many hours a day do you put into your job? I don't think it stops. I don't think it stops. If you know my family a little bit, we don't stop. Um, I wake up answering emails. I, I go to sleep answering emails. Um, and it's a lot of research. It's a lot of, you know, I do a lot of our recruiting graphics. So when I have a free time, there's a lot of that I'm doing. Um, game day graphics. I um, am in meetings a lot. Development. Uh, you name it. I kind of get no days the same. 
Andy, you got any questions? Any more questions for Lauren before we wrap it up with her? Yeah, I was going to say just regarding last year, you mentioned one of the, one of the things you guys wanted to do is just embrace that kind of college atmosphere. Obviously, last year with COVID, it, it was so different. How how much of a challenge was that to not really be able to take advantage of that entire college atmosphere last season? You know, I, I, I will say about our game day staff, they did such a great job of making our game as normal as it could be given the circumstances. We, you know, I think when you look sometimes at those scores at home, I think Tulsa is a great example where it was a tight game. We ended up losing that on the road. And then at home, you know, there was that margin to it. And I think some teams were shocked about how much of a game atmosphere we stuck with. Um, And so, I mean, that's a lot to our athletic department. That's a lot to those folks who worked so hard. We worked hard all summer long last year to see what we could keep and how we could move things to the video board. We, I wanted to make sure the spirit was there, that our our Google Brass was there. We had so many meetings. We had so much. We watched a lot of that NBA um, that, that season in the bubble to see what they were doing and what we could take and what we couldn't take. We watched a lot of NFL. Um, but I will say we kept as much as we could. We kept as engaged as we absolutely could. I did a lot of Zooms with students just to keep everyone kind of um, knowing how much we appreciated them and, and, and we remembered them and how much we still, they still meant to us and we kind of drew on their enthusiasm. Um, we took as much as we could. I, I, it was us in Wichita State last year that I thought did the best at um, keeping a, a college basketball atmosphere and not letting, oh, it's COVID and we don't have to try. Did you get any pushback in your first year? What you Hourly. wanted to do? Hourly. <laughs> and how did you overcome that? What did, what did you do? How did you, how did you per- persevere? Um, you know, I think, um, when I was young in this business, I had, um, a mentor and he told me, um, the only people that you need to keep your focus on is your student athletes. And that's it. If you are doing right by them, um, then you're on the right path and don't worry about making somebody else upset. As long as everything you're doing is to make their experience the best, um, that was it. And so I just kept those kids in my site. I, I would stand at that bottom of that tunnel when they would run out in Hawthines and get angry and get mad and disappointed and just more resolved to be out there again. And so um, that was really how I just kept going is I just was, I would stand in that tunnel and watch those kids run out. This is not, this, this is a strange question, but do you see yourself at U of H? How much longer do you see yourself at U of H? Forever? I never say never. I've been in this business too long. But as long as, as, as they'll still have us, I think you're going to have some Samsons. That sounds good. <laughs> Andy, what do you say about that? Yeah, for sure. You can, you know, uh, I, I joked with Chris the other day. I was like, hey, we might need you to get our branding on point as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was, and I want to say this sincerely, when um, we approached you Saturday at the, after the Red and White scrimmage, I was just thrilled, truthfully, that you did not ask what show. When I invited <laughs> you to be on, you, you said, you know, what time, date time. And so that was big time for us, Will oh. and Andy. 
that Lauren did not ask what show. So that that's cool. So I think we're doing okay. Chris, we remember you. You were one of the few at the beginning. There. We're, yeah, right? Loyalty. That, that, that's true. Loyalty I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Will, you got anything you want to add? Because I don't want, because I want to discuss the news and <laughs> she can't discuss it. So I want to get into that. You have any more questions for, for Lauren? No, I want to discuss it as well. <laughs> Much more fun. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lauren, let me see. Is there anything you want to say? Well, let did you have any, do you have any, any say-so decision-making in what additions, changes, tweaks that happen inside Fertitta Center? As much as I can. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as long as we keep the college, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm a big believer. I think you make donors happy. I think you make sponsors happy. I think you make fans happy if you have a winning program. And so as long as every decision is to the betterment of the program, I think you keep everybody happy. Okay. So well, that voice in the meetings. Speaking, speaking of, of that, um, what are your thoughts about moving eventually to the Big 12? You know, it's going to be old home. <laughs> I right? grew up in the Big 12. You know, I, I think, um, you know, on the basketball side, it's, 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 we've been competing with Power 5 schools for the last five years, right? Ohio State. Um, Oklahoma State, LSU, Oregon. We've been playing those guys for the last five years pretty consistently. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the fans. I'm excited, you know, talking to folks and, and, and some of these old S, uh, Southwest Conference rivals will be coming back into uh, Fertitta and TDCU, and I think that's awesome. But, you know, for us, whoever's on the, the other side, we're going to show up. And did you and Coach Sampson, Coach Kelvin Sampson, Take um, he mentioned a few times, I think, toward this in a season wrap up about touring facilities across the country, newer buildings. Yeah. Did you do that? We didn't go anywhere, but we've been meeting with architects, and so we have a game plan. Care to share any of that with us right now? Yeah, <laughs> but it's mm. going to be awesome. Is there a timetable for any of those things to happen? Um, as soon as possible. We'll get through the season, but there'll be hopefully some news um, during the season. But we're we're well on our way. Lauren Sampson, let everybody know how they can find you on social media. And thank you very much for joining us. Uh, well, thank you, L-E, uh, Lauren E. Sampson. Um, it's, it's easy. It's just my name. And it's usually a lot of UH stuff with a little bit of Native American. <laughs> and that's that's fine, too. And, and I... I'm kind of putting you on a spot here in front of Will and Andy. I'd like to talk to you about that part of your heritage as well, me and you in an interview at some point. Oh, that's okay. right. Okay. Yep, we are, we are Lumbee Native Americans. So thank you very much, Lauren. And we will see you Saturday at the Houston-Montana Tech game. Three o'clock, right? Yes. Okay. Thank right. you, Lauren. Thank Take you care. Thank you. Your next conversation. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Kudos to Lauren Sims for joining us. And now folks who are tuning in from Coog fans, Twitter, YouTube, etc. And uh, let me see, Cade, who's who commented, I think he's a Rocket fan. And Will just went away, so I turned off his camera trying to no, make here. himself look good. You know, <laughs> look, um, put the makeup on, whatever. But 
Now we're going to talk, and James Mueller from the Cougars should be joining us shortly about this. It was official. It is official now. Jarris Walker, five-star recruit, announced his commitment to the University of Houston minutes ago. Uh, let's say maybe 20, no, 19 minutes ago. Andy, yeah. did you have time to gather up any information on Mr. Walker? I, I, it was hard to find stats on him. I couldn't find any stats uh, on him, but I, I did do some research in terms of his rankings. Uh, obviously, ESPN has him in the top 19 for class of 2022 in their uh, rankings for this upcoming class. And then on, on Rivals and, and on 24-7 Sports, he was both ranked the 13th best uh, player in those rankings. And I think they have him as a top, rated as a top power forward prospect in the entire class of 22. So five-star recruit, uh, which is going to be the second five-star recruit they've landed just for this class of 2022 with Terrence Arsenault, who, uh, when did he come in? He came in like about a month ago right. or so. So, I mean, this is easily going to be one of Houston's best classes all time. And James Mueller, I see you in the studio, in the waiting room. Are you ready to join us? Give me a thumbs up. All right. So we're going to we're going to really dominate the conversation. Will Mr. Ohio State may feel outnumbered, but he's used to it. So uh, when? Here, here, here we go. Okay. James, thank you for joining us. Do you have any thoughts on Jarris Walker's commitment to U of H? Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show how far the program's come. I saw a stat. I don't know if this didn't mention uh, yet on the show, but I think three of Houston's top seven recruits, like all time, are coming in this class, which is crazy. Um, just to think um, just what Kelvin Sampson's done with the program and really turned it around, and he's getting these big-time names um, – and some of the most talented, you know, athletes coming out of high school in the country to want to come play uh, for him. So I think it, it speaks volumes for how far the program's gone um, and just um, the work that's been done over the past five years um, in really establishing Houston as, you know, a national contender. Agreed. And I've seen clips of Jarris Walker, 6'7", 6'8", 225, 230, 240. He is a solidly built young man. He's got good handles, good range on his shot, all-around game. It's a huge commit. Andy touched on it. Jarris, I've seen him rank 19th, 20th. One outlet had him like 32. And I think one even had him higher than 19. So he's a five-star. I think most outlets agree on that. His talent is considered elite. Uh, I've heard some folks refer to him as one and done. I hope we'll get a chance. Uh, Paul uh, Biancardi, who interviewed Jairus this evening while we're doing our show, get some comments on Jairus, get his thoughts on, on Jairus Walker's commitment, why he chose U of H and all those great factors. But it's, it's a big time get for the program. We can talk about it now. Lawrence Sampson couldn't talk about it because until Jairus signs the National Letter of Intent, the first day of that period is Wednesday the 10th. So once he does that, then the staff can comment on Arsenal and, and Jairus Walker, et cetera. But it's a great day for U of H fans. But, fellas, I want to flip the script just a little bit. Remember not too long ago, or, or fans would say, 
Uh, Coach Sampson doesn't need four and five star players. He can he can make them better, build them up, coach them up. It's not who we, U of H is. We don't we don't need those kind of those elite talents on the, on this team. We're the University of Houston. Now that you got four and five stars coming in, it's awesome, man. It's a great deal for the program. It's fantastic. See, this is what we're talking about. What changed? Andy, what, what changed? What changed is that they they put the resume together to get that interest. I mean, look in just Walker's case. I mean, look at the teams that they've beat. They beat out Auburn. They beat out Alabama. They beat out the and I know for basketball it's different, but they beat out these Power Five schools. Just goes to show where the program has grown. Now, Chris, they always said it was more about the fit instead of the rankings. Obviously, of course, if they're a five-star recruit and they fit, that doesn't hurt either. It, it's true, and no coach is going to turn down a talented player if long the talented player fits the program. You know, nothing like that. But Coach Sampson and the staff have built the program to get to this point. And other five-star talented players are looking to U of H on visits. They're making visits to the program. The move to the Big 12 only helps that. When I spoke with one of the gurus of boys basketball in Houston, Jim Hicks, he made a great point in our conversation. Coach Sampson and the staff, they've been recruiting elite talent for a while, Big 12 talent for a while. Yeah. You know, Cincinnati and UCF haven't really recruited that kind of talent. So this is just another layer to the cake or as like Coach Sampson said to us, James and Andy Saturday, another brick in the program, foundation, brick by brick. And I'm going to play part of another part of today's media day. And this one is about three minutes long. But it is an indicator of what Coach Sampson says about this year's team and how they look so far and not really to compare them to last year's team. So everybody... Watch this clip. It's about three minutes long, and then we'll come back and discuss that. And then, of course, we're going to thank our sponsor, the Saxonian family. I have a segment talking about U of H women's hoops because I have some news to share about them when we come back from this clip. What I like, um, you know, we're, we're so new. You know, our, our newness is real. You know, everybody wants to focus on the guys coming back. Um, but we're plugging in guys that's never played a game here. So they don't know how to take the shortcuts yet. They, they don't know how to game game our game our stuff. Um, you know, they're it'll, it'll take a while. We need to play some games. You know, I, as yesterday was the first day I said that, you know, we, we need to play somebody else. You know, we had a scrimmage. We had a scrimmage. Uh, couple of weeks ago, and that was good. But now uh, we, we've got back to, uh, I think this is our 24th practice today or 25, something like that. And I'm not saying it becomes counterproductive, but, you know, it, it, Tasha gets the ball in this area, they know what he's going to do. Uh, if Fabian gets it here, they know what he's going to do. Kyler here, here's what Kyler does. And they see it every day. You, know, you can't change your game. I want our guys to focus on what they do good. Game time's not a, ch- not a time to focus on your strengths. You know, uh, if 
focus on your, I'm sorry, focus on your weaknesses. You focus on your strengths. So, but um, I like our, I like our willingness to share the ball. Um, I don't think this team is, is uh, selfish at all, but you never know until the lights come on. We'll see. Um, they try hard. Um, Reggie and uh, Fabian, they, they seem to be our identity guys. You know, this time last year, you know, before you guys ever saw us, I saw what Justin Gorham was doing. And you could tell that that uh, we were getting our identity from him. Uh, and then we went over to Fort Worth to play Texas Tech in uh, November. That was just an extension of our practices. You know, the way we played in that game was the way we practiced. But last year, they, last last year's team didn't have any new players. Uh, the Reggie came off the bench and. And, um, uh, Tremont, but everybody else was guys had been here, so they know this. So this team is nowhere near at the level that team was at the same time. This team's so far behind, but through no fault of their own. You, know, you just you don't uh, have a team like we did last year, and then start there and go forward. You go backwards and try to move up. So the only way we're going to be able to evaluate um, um, is uh, get the games. You know, last, last year we opened up with uh, Lamar, Boise State, Texas Tech, South Carolina. Um, you know, once we played our first game, I, I you know, I, I thought we would win all those games uh, if we if we just continued along the path we were on in practice. Uh, whereas this year, I'm, there's there's some hesitation, not from a negative standpoint, just because I've never seen this, a lot of these kids play with us. So I just got to see. Thoughts on that, and James, you ask it. I think you and Andy uh, spoke to Chamon and Mark about it, but let's get into some details about um, first what Coach Sam said about the team so far, not comparing it to last year's team, and just give them a chance to grow into who they are this year. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying this year's team has a lot of talent, but I think Kelvin hit it spot on if you look at uh this year's team compared to last year's team i did the numbers the other day they're losing from losing uh quentin dejon justin and bryson they're gonna have to replace about 40 points 23 rebounds and eight assists per game that's a pretty massive gap you gotta fill yes um they brought in quality guys like kyler edwards uh like josh carlton they got brought in guys that are capable of you know filling these holes but we like we've said we haven't seen them play and to be able to think like from right off the bat just because you know they're at uh that they're going to be able to fill in that massive gap it's it's hard to think so i think yeah we it's going to take time i think this uh team will be good but there are a lot of pieces that they really have to work out um if they want to be at the level that they got to last year andy what are your what are your thoughts what james just said no for sure it reminds me of when quentin grimes first transferred over from kansas i mean it took him Honestly, probably the entire year for him to really adjust to the program. I think uh, I can't remember who it was said. I think it might have been Kelvin uh, towards the end of last year, where he said he didn't feel that Quentin truly bought in until the end of the season. I, I think he said it was uh, the second time they played Memphis back in the 2019-20 season, when that's really when he started to see that buy-in from Quentin going, obviously with the COVID that canceled everything, but then going through the off-season program and coming back last season, he finally had 
fully bought, bought in. And that was something that Kelvin mentioned to us on Saturday where, I mean, some of these new transfers, whether it's Tyler Edwards, Tajay Moore, or even Josh Carlton, who, I mean, the, the biggest obstacle for them first, I, I think the way he described it is submit. They have to submit to the program to what the expectations are for this team. And until they do that, they, they might struggle to adjust. And like we said, from a scrimmage, you can't really take away much. So now once they – or even practices with however they've had to be practicing for like over a month now, once they finally get into the game-type atmosphere, like that's really when they're going to be able to get their feet wet and start to grow as the season continues. Will, you, you heard Andy just say scrimmage. You can't really tell a lot. Boy, that, that sounds kind of familiar to our, our theme from last week's Folks Talking Sports when I, I commented on it, people asking so many questions about the U of H's Longhorns closed door scrimmage. What I say, Will? It's, it's a scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. And the red and white scrimmage Saturday was two, eight, two, two, um, two eight quarters. quarters. That was it. Coach Sampson has seen enough. That was it. So the Longhorn U of H scrimmage. I think maybe in 12 minute periods or whatever, but it's a scrimmage. Okay. But the takeaway and James, I haven't asked this with you, but Andy and I have discussed it. Now we're going to talk about Jamon Mark a little bit. We, we noticed it in clips, footage from practices. His shooting form looks broken. I think that's how I phrase it to Andy. Well, coach Santa touched on it today. And you ask him to confirm it toward the end of this media session. Tremont has had a shoulder issue, um, which is affecting his shot release. So I'm kind of leaning more toward Tremont being a playmaker and Marcus Sasser being the score, the scoring guard. What do you think about that, James? Yeah, I agree 100%. I remember at the scrimmage, that was one of the first things Andy said to me. He's like, you know, did Tremont change his form? Because it looks different. And you could tell. Um, and yeah, with... I think Marcus, you want you want your top scorer to you know feel comfortable, um, get in rhythm, and that's going to be difficult for Tremont with the nagging shoulder injury he has. So as he continues to rehab that, I think um, I, I agree that play that playmaker role, that shot creator role, might be the role he has to fill. And I think it's not necessarily a bad thing because Kelvin talked about how like Tremont feels more comfortable in that role than Marcus so far. So if Marcus is able to, you know, ease into that role even more and, you know, still sort of be that go-to scorer as he adds, you know, uh, play creating to his game, I think that could be beneficial. But, yeah, I agree with your assessment. And I got this quote from uh, Jeff Borzello about Jairus Walker on Kelvin Sampson. Quote, it will be great to pick his brain each day about the game. His NBA experience is impressive. He is a legend in the college game. He is such a good defensive coach. And he showed me how they get their shooters open for shots. And that was from Paul Biancardi. Borzella just tweeted it. So that was during an interview with Jairus and Biancardi. So Jairus talked about defense and shooting. Yeah, that sounds like a U of H player. <laughs> that sounds like a young man who's seen how the team plays in college, but also sees how... Coach Sampson and the staff develop guys like Quinn Grimes, um, you know, shooting guards who have gone on to the NBA. So 
I think people see it. I'm not sure. And guys, get your thoughts on this, and then we're going to do a U of H women's hoop segment, and then we'll talk college football and the CFP. So, Will, get your thoughts on that, oh. and then I might go off. I might go off on that whole thing to prepare yourself for that. But I've seen Jairus listed as a power forward and as a small forward. I'm not – he's got good enough handles and a shot. I'm not sure it matters, but what do y'all think about him being his best position at U of H? It'll be, I mean, it'll be interesting. I don't really, to be honest, I don't think it'll make that big of a difference. I guess if they play more as a power forward, he might be leaning more towards uh, being kind of in the, in the around the paint, around the mid range. But they don't really have any specific designated roles with the way uh, UH plays. And Kelvin Sampson does a good job of of kind of coaching to the strengths of the players. I mean, even we're talking about Marcus Sasser. He mentioned how. No, he's not going to – in the past, he said how he's not going to try to force him to be like uh, the way Dejan Giroux played last year or some of the other players that have played before. He does a good job of kind of coaching to whatever the player's strength, uh, strengths are. So if Walker is more comfortable being a four and kind of not having to play more in the perimeter, I'm sure Houston will figure out a way to, to have him be in that strength or vice versa. If he's more comfortable playing out in the perimeter, I'm sure Houston will, will tailor – whatever type of offense or the way they can have more comfortable to, to fit that need. And at the end of the day, he's going to have to learn how to adapt to you know, having not having the ball in his hands all the time because Houston's offense uh, has a lot more to do with, you know, there's a lot of ball movement involved and not necessarily just going to go to one player and, and force feed him. But I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't think that's that big of a deal. James, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, from the tape I've seen from him, that's, his handles were one of the first things that stood out to me just for his size. I think he's a guy you could feel comfortable, you know, handling the ball. But like Andy said also, if you need him off the ball, he can do that too. And I think that that's the great thing about Houston. And I think that's why he'll fit in so well is, you know, he'll learn to add whatever that is to his game. You know, he'll learn to be comfortable both on the ball, off the ball, whatever. Um because he will be used in a variety of ways. Um, Andy mentioned a bunch. So I think, yeah, um, I'm not too worried about, you know, what his position is technically, because I think um, Kelvin will definitely explore different ways to use them and try to utilize them to his, the best of his potential. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's a talented player. It's just a question of fit. Coach Sampson believes he's going to be a good fit. Now it's just a question of him buying into the culture. And I don't believe, based on what I heard about his personality and his who he is, that's going to be an issue. All right. Going to do a segment here about U of H women's basketball because they have an exhibition game Friday, tomorrow, 6 p.m. And as thanks to the Saxonian family and Steve Saxonian, uh, who supports now sponsor of Folks Talking Sports, I'm going to take the screen, fellas, so y'all can lean back for a minute or two and get some water or do whatever you want to do while I discuss this. And then, fellas, get ready. Because I I got, as Will says, I've got some stuff to get off my chest about CFP. So here we go. Full screen for me. This segment brought to you by the Saxony family. Going to talk about U of H women's basketball. Okay. As I stated, the Houston Cougars women's basketball program will open the 2021-2022 season with a free admission exhibition game against Texas A&M Commerce on Friday, November 5th. 
inside Fertitta Center. Tip is set for 6 p.m. The game is free to all fans and students at the Holman entrance. Parking will be available in lots 15C as well as the stadium garage for $5. AM Corpus, AM Commerce, excuse me, is ranked 10th nationally in the WBCA NCAA Division II coaches poll entering this 2021-2022 season. The Lions have already played two exhibition games so far this season. An 88-52 loss at Baylor on Wednesday, October 27th, followed by a 66-58 loss at SMU on Monday, November 1st. Last season was the third straight season the Cougs made a postseason appearance in the WNIT. After finishing the regular season with a 15-6 overall record, and a third-place finish in the American Athletic Conference. The Cougs finished the WNIT with a 1-1 one and one record. The Cougs will return six players, including leading scorer sophomore Layla Blair. Other starters for this season, returners, include guards Diamond Gladney, Brittany Onyajay, Julia Blackshell Fair, and post player Jasmine Lewis. The Cougs got two votes in the preseason Division One women's basketball poll. So that's a start. Andy James, only one team from the AAC women's side was ranked in the top 25 preseason poll in that South Florida, which seems to be consistent for everyone. They, everyone seems to be in consensus that they are the cream of the crop in the American Athletic Conference. But U of H women's basketball, six o'clock, Friday, November 5th, inside Fertitta Center versus Division Two Texas A&M Commerce. This segment, once again, brought to you by the Saxonian family. All right, fellas, here we go. I'll bring y'all back to this. I have scheduled an interview. It won't post until Saturday with a young lady who is supposed to announce her commitment Saturday. And all points all signs point to it being a commitment to the University of Houston. I'm not going to say who it is because unlike a national uh, person, I am going to trust her to let her announce it. John Rothstein, <coughs> during the player, thank you, <coughs> John Rothstein, uh, did that and uh, went against the wishes of a player, and I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to interview her. And then she will announce her decision. And then once she announced her decision, I will post our interview. So, okay, fellas. Tuesday, this week, the College Football uh, Rankings Committee showed their behind, once again, of their hatred for the Group of Five ranking Cincinnati sixth. I tweeted out an hour before predictions. Um... My prediction would be, I tweeted out an hour before the announcements of the, the uh, rankings. My top four would be by the committee. Georgia one, Alabama two, three would be not Cincinnati, and four would be not Cincinnati. That was an hour before the, not roughly, the show. Lo and behold, the Bearcats were ranked sixth. And one of the comments made by the chair of the committee the Bearcats don't play enough G5, excuse me, Power 5 teams. Fellas, James, Andy, Will, how can a team who's not in a Power 5 
play a lot of Power 5 schools on the schedule. You only get three or four non-conference chances. How can, well, what are they supposed to do? They're not independent. They're not BYU. They can't just schedule five, six, seven Power 5 opponents if they're in a G5 conference. Who wants to take that? Who wants to call me down off this ledge first? First. I mean, I can say something. I think, like, I've been saying all along, like, I thought it would be a tough road for Cincinnati to get in just because um, the group of five schools don't get uh, the respect they deserve. But, like, you look at Cincinnati, and they did all they could. Indiana had a good season last year. They haven't been good this year. But they went to Indiana, beat them on the road. They went to number 10, Notre Dame, or, like, who is number 10, um, Notre Dame and beat them on the road in their place. They're doing, they beat two power five schools on the road, non-conference. They're doing what they can to, you know, add that quality to the schedule. And yet a team like Oregon who lost to a, uh, to a Stanford team. That's not that good um, is ahead of them. A team like Ohio state who has a loss is ahead of them. Cool. So I think. Um, yeah. Well, get your thoughts on this. Go ahead, James. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think like, I don't even know how it's even possible for a group of five team to get in with this committee just because even a team like Cincinnati who tries to schedule, you know, they, they, they hear they're not having enough quality wins. Um, they schedule two power five opponents, beat them both on the road. Um, they can't control what the rest of the season looks like for those opponents, how well they perform or whatever. Um, they're doing everything possible, but the committee still is always going to find some sort of problem um, and way to put power five teams in the top four and will i'm coming to you hold your thought but then they extended it they even made it more difficult for the bearcats by not ranking u of h and smu <laughs> both who are ranked in the coaches poll they're ranked in the other two polls both other polls but they're not ranked in the cfp rankings so Cincinnati won't even get credit for beating them in those rankings because they're in the rankings, but not the CFP ranking. So Michael Resco is correct. So they say the Bearcats are many ranked teams. Well, you're not ranking them. That's your fault. Everybody else ranks them, but you. So the other folks, other polls put the rank U of H and SMU to be quality wins for the Bearcats. But the CFP committee says, well, we're not going to rank them. So the Bearcats won't get any more quality wins. So how, how are they going to move up? They're not. Will, go ahead, Mr. Mr. Big Ten, Mr. The Ohio State, say, say your piece. Um, let's see. You want the truth or you want to lie to you? This is folks talking sports, man. Tell the truth. All right. So, none of this matters. The CFP doesn't matter until December 5th. All of this is fodder. All of this is conversation. Week by week polls, they don't matter. The only one that matters is December 5th, the final one. Number one, it's created for chaos. I understand we're talking group of five here, but you have the power five conferences, but there are four teams in the college football playoff. Correct. It's, created, it, it, it's set up for controversy and chaos from day one. So you look at these rankings. This 13 person committee that arbitrarily make ranks this top 25, but we're only talking about the top six. So, what's the point? I, to me, I, I understand the premise, but it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And to discuss Cincinnati from being here in Ohio, 
I mean, their schedule is the hundredth ranked schedule in the country. Yes, they're eight and zero, but they have the one hundredth ranked schedule in the country. That's not national championship caliber. It's not. But will but, part of that is because of the conference they're in. They they can't help the conference that they're in. That's one reason why they push so hard to get to the Big Twelve. Right. Because that's right. better. But but right now they are in the American. But and the American does have ranked teams, and I think the American has more ranked teams than the Pac-12. They do. So yeah, I'll give you that. Like I said, I, I get it. Like for example, I'll, I'll go to the ranking. You look at Mississippi State and Penn State, both five and three, right? Right. Mississippi State's five and three. Penn State's five and three. Penn State beat two ranked opponents. They lost to one unranked opponent. Mississippi State beat one ranked opponent, lost to two unranked opponents. Mississippi State is ranked 17 in the college yep. football poll. Penn State is unranked. Yeah, you know. And That's why you can't pay attention go ahead, to Andy. any of this. Right, agree. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean. Go ahead. No, that's not what you can say. I mean, what is the CFP? It's an arbitrary ranking that, at the end of the day, um, yeah, honestly, like we said, it's not going to matter until December 5th. Uh, the problem with it is, yeah, so when does, let me pull it up, Cincinnati and SMU are going to play, uh, I believe, in like within two weeks. I think so, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. If SMU's not ranked, say SMU wins the ne- their next two or one game, whatever, until they have to play Cincinnati. If they're not ranked, that hurts Cincinnati. Right. Say Cincinnati steamrolls SMU, college football playoffs going to be well. I mean, okay, congratulations, they weren't ranked. Say they get to the AAC championship game, Houston is wins out, goes undefeated in conference. Well, they're going to say, well, okay, if, say, Cincinnati beats Houston in the in the conference championship, they'll say the same thing. Houston wasn't ranked. Who'd they beat? They didn't beat anyone in their conference schedule. They were a fraudulent 11-1 and team. There's, there's no pass Cincinnati. Could, what could Cincinnati do? Cincinnati, the, 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 exactly. And the team that they beat, I mean, they beat Notre Dame, Power 5 school, who they've been in the college football playoffs before. They were ranked 10th in the college football playoffs' home rankings. Then you have Oregon, who's losing to Stanford. They have a three and five Stanford team. Like that's ridiculous. How could that? How could you lose to that team? Be in the top four of Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, the schedule is weak because of the conference they play with. They've done a good job scheduling non-conference opponents. They've taken care of business with the schedule put in front of them. At some point, you, I mean, there, there's not much you can do, and that will. Well, Ohio, Ohio State's got to be in a good position where they could probably lose two games. Alabama <laughs> can lose two games, and they'll still make the college football playoff over Cincinnati. So, okay, let's say you have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and all right. I'll just I don't believe this, but I'll say Oklahoma. So Ohio State, Oklahoma. Georgia, Alabama. Who are you taking out to put Cincinnati in? Oklahoma. Okay. So let's say you have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Who are you taking out to put in Cincinnati? Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. 
No, but it's just, they haven't looked good this year. They haven't looked great. And they lost to A&M. Yeah, you didn't imagine about, that Georgia. Yes, it is. Well, it, it must be about look because the Bearcats got penalized for they didn't look impressive against Tulane on the road in conference. And national media put that out there. They started putting that, that drivel out there during the game. National media did that. Mm-hmm. The same mm-hmm. national media will say in an A&M, A&M loss, excuse me, Baylor, Alabama lost at A&M. Well, you know, mm-hmm. the SEC in the, on the road is tough to win on the road in the SEC. Okay, but it's not tough to win on the road in the American. Why don't they win by more than 19? Okay. It's baked into the cake. Oklahoma so struggled this. at home with yeah. Tulane. Yeah. But since they had to beat Tulane on the road by 19. But, well, they didn't impress me enough. It's, yeah. it, it is about look. It's about perception. I'm spending more time on this than I, that I want to. This is why I don't mess with college football anymore because it's a sham. And it goes back to what I said. None of this matters until December 5th. They're going to have a different. But when Ohio State won the national championship in 2015, the initial rankings, they were 14th. They went from 14 to 4. How? Because people decided they wanted to move them up. So all of this right now is conversation. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it, matter. It, it matters. I agree with your point, your premise to a point. It, it doesn't matter to teams who are in the Power Five because they still have opportunities against other Power Five opponents based on what the committee keeps spewing out for G5 schools, mm-hmm. which gets me to another point of expansion. The CFP needs to expand because the premise was yeah. flawed from the beginning. Clearly. You know, four-team playoff, but you got five Power Five conferences. That, that was flawed from the jump. It needs to go to 12. If you want to have automatic bids, fine. And then have at-large, fine. But you need to include the G5 in some capacity because truly the committee is saying and people now are blaming ESPN, networks, et cetera. There's no point for the other schools to who are not in power five to play because there's not a chance to win a championship. You're just you're, you're wasting your time and money if you're not a power five program because we're not going to rank you because you don't play enough power five teams. That's this is complete opposite of college basketball. And some fans, fans, folks, James, get your, get ready for, I want you to take on this. Some of the fans who poor mouth the Bearcats who are on their Ohio's because the team they root for is in a power five are the same fans who come March madness root for the underdogs because underdogs have a chance in March madness. But don't have a chance in the CFP. You can have it both. You cannot have it both ways. Either mm-hmm. underdogs are part of college sports, or they're not. What do you say, James? Yeah, we're talking about U of H football. That I mean, that's the beauty of what makes college basketball, po- the college basketball postseason, one of the most exciting things in sports. You got teams like a Loyola, Chicago, a Butler, a VCU that have made these incredible runs that no one would have expected. Uh, you you see UMBC a few years ago knock off top seeded Virginia. You see teams have a chance. They're given a chance. Um, and like you said in football, you know, if you're not in the power five, there's basically no path. Um, at least there hasn't been one in the history of the CFP um, since it's been in, in existence because they've had, you know, undefeated UCF teams and undefeated Cincinnati team last year. None of them have gotten close to getting in. And I, I think that brings like to a point where you see like in college football, it's almost like they respect, you know, lost like quality losses and from power five schools more than wins from a non power five school. 
which exactly. like wins should always matter more. I ag- I agree. You know, like if Alabama's one loss was to a Georgia team in the SEC championship, say they both were undefeated. This is impossible since Alabama already lost, but they lost to Georgia in the SEC championship. And that was their one loss. I agree. They probably deserve to be in because they're playing, you know, another undefeated top team in the country, but they're lost. They've lost to an A&M team this year. And still uh, that's more impressive than, you know, a team that uh, like Cincinnati, who's gone, done their business, done everything they can um, to, you know, prove that, we're legit and we deserve a chance. So yeah, that's just my take. You know, if the system is, is, was made designed to screw the, the non power five. And that's all I'm going to say on it until you Bates is in the, the yeah. big 12 and in the power. Hopefully it's still a power five then in the big 12, but James, Andy, will, I'm going to give credit when credit is due. You Bates football, they beat SMU. I didn't think they would do it. They're on a winning streak. They're playing well. They only have one loss so far. I'm not sure why Sonny, Sonny Dykes chose to kick off to Marcus Jones in the final seconds. Marcus Jones said, thank you very much. He ran it back for the victory for U of H. James, U of H could, could finish season 11-1 and face Cincinnati, undefeated Cincinnati in the conference championship game. And wouldn't that be something for Michael Resco? Have two teams in the AAC championship game who are both leaving for the Big 12. I mean, yeah, I mean, it speaks a lot of volumes. Obviously, you're not going to be able to replace that. But, I mean, the American has been a solid football conference. Obviously, they're not up there with the ranks of, you know, some of these power fives. But I think it shows, you know, the job Oresco has done just getting this conference together and um, being able to have two quality teams. Obviously, Houston's schedule isn't great. We've already discussed that. Um, but still, to go 11-1, and one, I mean, there's got to be some respect to that. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, it'd definitely be kind of ironic to see, you know, two 11-12 uh, win teams in the conference championship, possibly, um, you know, two ranked teams at the end of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just – it's crazy to think about. Andy, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the possibility? What do you think Michael Resco would say behind closed doors, not publicly, behind closed doors if Houston and Cincinnati are competing for the AAC championship? Man, behind closed doors, huh? I don't know. He'd probably be <laughs> he'd probably try, be trying to find a way to oh, man, behind closed doors, he's probably going to say a cuss word in the, the that is known to, to us in, in the English language. Um, I know certainly in front of the camera, he's going to say, uh, yes, um, here we proved that we have power six school, that these two teams that were you know, robbed from us by the uh, crumbling power five, big 12, are meeting with us in the championship game. While we're power six and, and this and that. Now, behind those doors, Absolutely, has got to hate it. He's probably when Marcus Jones returned that touchdown, he was probably punching air or something. Whenever Houston had the possibility to go undefeated in conference, uh, certainly should be favored to do that with with the remaining three conference games, which USF and Temple, Houston should be heavily favored, and then the Memphis game, Memphis has really struggled. So, I mean, the door is wide open for Houston, like you said, a, an impressive win because uh, I mean, honestly. It, the way it started, when Houston got to the big lead and, and SMU 
roared back. They kind of had that feel of a classic game that they've they've had against ranked opponents under Hogerson where, I mean, at times they jumped ahead. I'm just going back last season against BYU. They jumped ahead on them early. And then when the, the other team rally, they completely fall apart in the second half. That didn't happen. That wasn't the case uh, this past weekend against SMU. And, and, I mean, credit to the defense. They're, they're legit. They completely made SMU one-dimensional. They they made the, the Mustangs abandon the run game and Tyler Mordecai had had a put together a good season coming into to the game against Houston, but he really struggled. He was seeing all kinds of aspirant pressure, even forced an interception. I mean, Marcus Jones had the he had he got the game, man. He balled not only that he had the kick turn somebody else picked off uh, late in the second half. So it's a big win, certainly the best. James got first win for Dana Hogerson against a, a top 25 ranked opponent yes, since he's been the coach at Houston. So, Will, what, what do you say? And then we're going to wrap it up. What, what do you think Michael Resco is saying behind closed doors about the possibility of Houston and Cincinnati competing for the AAC football championship? Oh, he's hot. He's hot. He's trying to find a way to, to not play the game. <laughs> because yeah, it's yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna put on a free three hour commercial for the Big Twelve. Nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not, and I have another question. I, I, I was, can you still call yourself part of the Power Six when two of your teams are going to a Power Five conference? He, he, well, he, he does. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Resco does. Wow, you know, yes. wow. Yeah, he's the most positive thinking person. In the world, I mean, he he he'll find a way to positive spin anything. But Andy James, this is news for Will. Have y'all noticed on I believe it's the on the athletics Houston Athletics Alumni Center windows a massive U of H logo next to a massive Big Twelve logo. Yeah. Check that out, Will. I need to send you a picture of that. But but yes, it, it's it's there. What does that mean? What do y'all think that means? I mean, you want to start getting that <laughs> that image out there. And like Andy just said with the peace sign, it, I think you you see UH leave earlier than expected. But they want to you know start branding that Big Twelve because that's where they're headed and that gains a lot more respect than the American logo. And so they're going to do anything they can to, you know, remind people, you know, we're headed to the big 12 and um, the, the sign's huge. Like you said, you can't miss it when you yeah. drive by the athletic alumni center, because it takes up the whole, the whole uh, window. I mean, uh, I, just to add on to what James said, I mean, honestly, it's a business. And from Houston's perspective, being a part of the big 12, it's much better for them financially to, to tout the, they're finally a part of the Power Five Conference. And, I mean, if you're the American Athletic Conference, they, they did the exact same thing whenever they announced the new teams, that the, the new programs, the new universities that they were going to be adding once um, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati leave. And, I mean, I think I mentioned this to you, Chris. Uh, they, they already started promoting UTSA with the great season they're having and how yep. they're ranked in the top 25. I mean, the American Athletic Conference is going to do it. Of course, Houston's going to do it because it's – much better financially for them. And like I said, I mean, everyone in Houston is, they can't wait for whenever, whenever happens, if it 
if it's in 2023, 24, sooner, whatever it is, they, they can't wait. But do you think, because I'm going to toss it out there and whatever the person said, do you think there's a chance that U of H will try to get out of, get out of the American after this season? Yeah, I'm going I'm to take, take what uh, Lauren Sampson told us at the beginning of the show, never say never. Chris, because I mean, if Houston can do it and it makes sense financially, the the quicker they can get into the Big Twelve, the much better it is for Houston and all the athletic programs as a whole. So I wouldn't be surprised. What do you say, James? Have they hit you up for some money to put into the coffers to pay the exit fee? Um, unfortunately, not. I wouldn't be able to provide them much. <laughs> but like Andy said, why not go up, get out when you can? Try. Everyone knows you're leaving. There's no point in hanging around longer. Um, there's just going to be. I mean, everyone knows your end-all, be-all goal is, you know, getting to the Big 12. So why not try to do your, uh, anything you can to, you know, get in there sooner and start uh, gaining those, you know, financial bonuses and all that that comes with being a Power 5 conference. We're going to wrap it up. I'm going to go to stick with you, James. Uh, let folks know how they can find you on social media. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at JDM2186. Um, and all my work um, for the Daily Cougar is on the dailycougar.com. So be sure to check it out. Will, how can folks find you, sir? Thank you, sir. They can find me at uh, Will Gibson 7 on Twitter, as well as Instagram or Facebook. It's uh, Will Knows, K N O W S. Andy? Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Uh, I've I, I put this on the on the screen part of Simon Jamma on Apple, Spotify, and I never promoted it, but Dan Dunlap and I got to sit down with Kellen Sampson, one of the assistant coaches, the assistant coach for the University of Houston. I think he still has the, the moniker of head coach in waiting under his title as well, the University of Houston, but we had a good conversation talking about, obviously, of course, the upcoming season for them. He talked about Fabian White, Sasser, Tremont Mark, some of the other uh, new additions, and then he also... We talked a little bit about the Big 12, so check that out. Podsline at JAMA. As you see it on the screen, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And it's here from Kellen, and we're working on getting someone from the coaching staff with the women's basketball team as well. Um, we've had Huey in the past, so we'll see We'll see who else we can get. And I'm Chris Gardner, a part of the trio, and James, I guess, part of the foursome sometimes, of Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by the Saxonian family. Most of the discussion... Most of this show has been about dedicated and devoted to Houston Cougars men's basketball with the huge announcement of five-star Jairus Walker, 6'8", 230 forward, announcing his commitment to the University of Houston about an hour ago, what that means for the program. It's a huge get for the program. Um, he could be a one and done. The talent can continue to improve on the U of H men's basketball program. So he'll be joining the team. He's class of 2022. I haven't heard yet, but I think he'll, he'll sign next Wednesday, the first day of the national uh, letter of intent in a lie day. Terrence Arsenal's mom put out it's going to be a, a celebration yeah. at Beaumont United oh. High School Wednesday when Terrence signs, puts the signature on the paper when he officially becomes a Houston Cougar. So it's, it's happening. The talent is rising at U of H. Will, thank you very much. Andy, thank you very much. James, thank you very much. Rocket fans, if you haven't already, 
You know, Andy's totting a huge get with Kellen Sampson. Shout out to Lawrence Sampson for joining us on today's edition of Folks Talking Sports. If you missed that, we'll have the show posted on the YouTube channel uh, shortly. Uh, she, I love to talk. We got to get uh, Coach Kelvin's to answer about being the DJ and then being the getaway driver when TP someone's house. <laughs> I got, I got, yeah, Andy, I'm sure. asking you right now, man. You got to put that clip. Share that clip on Twitter. You, you, you got to. You got to do that. For sure, do yeah. that. We'll tell Kelvin see, see the answer. <laughs> yes. Do that. Um, I was fortunate enough to interview Denise Oxoy, Alperin Shingun's first Rockets translator earlier today. She was working. She was inside the studio, get ready to do an um, NBA show from Istanbul, Turkey. And took time to speak with me for about four or five minutes to talk about the Rockets and Alpin Shingun. And she believes that she said it herself that she thinks Alpi should have been starting instead of Tice <laughs> a few games ago. <laughs> so yeah. but you I can saw, check that video I saw, out. I saw this advanced stat where it said that the when Christian Wood and, and uh Daniel Tice are on the floor together, I think they're like a negative seventeen net rating. And then when uh Shingun and Wood are on together, they're they're actually positive, which for the Rockets this season will struggle. Obviously, that's a big deal. So and it seems like a, a lot of Rocket fans are on that boat as well. Yes. So, I mean, I think the numbers, are, I think the eye test as well. Tyson yeah. and Seawood just don't seem to be clicking like Seawood and Shingun are. But Rocket fans, Rockets and the Suns are about to will tip off in about 50 minutes. So post game will be posted on Houston Round Bar View channel. Y'all know that. But we're going to talk Rockets Saturday late because the Rockets have a game in the afternoon, mid-afternoon. So once I post those post-game comments on the channel, tune in to the YouTube channel to discuss the Rockets on Rockets Talk. Great success with that. Guys, thank you very much. And we will work out our schedule. Now things change because Andy's going to be busy. College basketball season is about to start on Tuesday for a lot of, a lot of teams. So we may have different days, different different hosts. James Mueller, you might be a co-host on one of these shows. So <laughs> seriously, but I think next Thursday, Andy, I think you're busy. Yeah. But next Thursday will be the 11th. That'll be the day before U of H men's basketball plays Rice men's basketball on the 12th inside Fertitta Center. So I'm going to try to get Matthew back from the roost to talk about that game from a Rice perspective as well. So James, if you're available Either get you and Jayla Mason or and Will on that show to talk college hoops. Will get ready for your start giving me some Big Ten hoop content on this Folks Talking Sports show. But as always, Folks Talking Sports is sponsored by the Saxonian family. You'll hear me say that a lot throughout college basketball season because they are sponsoring us from now through March through college hoops. So Steve Saxonian and the Saxonian family are supporting us. We appreciate their support and we're going to do for them. So they're uh, our support in return by plugging them as much as possible. So, guys, I'll anyone else it. wants to buy? buy and I'm working on that. I'm working on that. I got Ooh. someone in the pipeline. So, so yes, working on that angle as well. So, may have another Any banner. UH businesses, feel free so, to, to and donate. He's a UVH alum. So, you're very smart, sir. You're very smart. Yeah, we may have another connection uh, coming up to sponsor the show. So, onward and upward, folks. Folk Talking Sports, thank you very much for tuning in. See you next week. Everybody, take care. Just like Houston.